Section 17 of Sermons to Children by Sabine Baring Gould. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Sermon 17. Flowers. Spring. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth. Of all God's creations, the flowers are, perhaps, the most beautiful. There is something in them which attracts and arrests our thoughts, and fills us with delight, above the attraction and delight exercised by other things in God's world. How wonderful is their variety, and how glorious is their beauty in various ways! There is not a climate, however ungenial it may seem, on which the sun shines, where there are not flowers. Nothing I remember astonished me so much some years ago, when I went to Iceland, as to see the flowers there. I thought, of course, there would be very few. There it is too cold for trees to grow higher than you can reach. The willow creeps along the soil, and clings to it, afraid to rise into the icy blast. A little dwarf birch unfurls its glistening leaves, and catches the sun in sheltered nooks. There is scarcely any grass to be seen, except just round a farmhouse, where the soil is carefully manured. But there is no lack of flowers." Clasping the earth are masses of carmine campion. Between the rocks bloom great tufts of purple crane's bill. Over the stones scramble the mountain avens, with its large eight lemon-white leaves and sunny heart. By the brooks it is as though bags of fresh-coined gold pieces had been poured forth in greatest profusion, so abundant, so shining are the marsh marigolds. And on the smooth mossy slopes are sky-blue gentianellises, as the stars for number, and as the sand of the sea for multitude. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Our Lord pointed to the flowers and taught his disciples a lesson from them, a very simple lesson, trust in providence. But that is not the only lesson that may be learned from the flowers. Indeed, they teach a great abundance of lessons. Each little plant contains in it a text or moral, wrapped up as the motto in a comfit. Some flowers seem to me to represent certain Christian graces. Others show us God's care and providence. Others teach us moral lessons. Children, your flowers of God, strewn o'er the earth, known of God, loved of God, cherished from birth. On the bleak mountain top. Deathful to climb, fragrant to God alone, blooms the wild thyme. Down in the busy vale, trodden by feet, roses and eglantine make summer sweet. Deep in the forest heart, where none may spy, bluebells, anemones, dress for God's eye. Rooted in the blackest slime, festering, foul, holds up the lily queen, stainless, her bowl. Prim in the garden beds, rank on the wold, some tossed by stormy winds, some lapped from cold. Yet the dew drencheth the homeliest flower, yet the light pierceth the leafiest bower. No flower too commonplace, no herb too small, love of God compasseth, glorifies all. Children, dear flowers of God, grown here beneath, when Christ his crown assumes, you'll form that wreath. Of the many, many lessons that may be gathered from the flowers, I can only give you a very few, lest I overburden your memory, but I will give you some to lead you to look at the flowers as you look at Holy Scripture, 
for something in them which you may read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. In the first place, I would have you note the infinite variety of flowers and how they thrive in all sorts of places. High up on the mountains, at the very edge of the snow, is found the purple soldenia, the white crocus, and the blue hepatica. Down in the sultry plain blooms the red poppy, the white dog daisy, and the blue cornflower. In the cold, raw winds of March, the dearly loved snowdrop shakes its pure bell. Late in the autumn, when around lie dead leaves, and the garden is black with frosted dahlias, in a cranny of the old wall is still smiling the pink cranesbill. Some flowers are so hardy they will brave any frost, others will die unless protected from every wind. The primrose loves the hedge by the roadside, the daisy stars the lawn, the harebell tosses on the moor, the violet hides under a bank, the bluebell lurks in the coppice. The willow herb throws up its head of pink flowers out of the slimy ditch. The yellow stonecrop lies like little patches of sun on the tile roof. The thrift covers the sea marshes with a mantle of shot pink. The samphire clings to the crags high above the foam. The mignonette grows by the side of the cornfield. The pansy blooms among the reaped stubble. Everywhere, in all sorts of situations, in all sorts of climates, out of all sorts of soils spring up the flowers God has made. Everywhere, in all sorts of situations, in all ranks of life, in all conditions of life, out of every social deposit, the saints of God arise. He has his chosen ones in king's palaces and in poor men's cottages, in the country and in the town, among shepherds, gardeners, students, clerks, nobles, beggars, in the workhouse, in the farmyard, in the counting-house, in the kitchen, in the lordly castle, a saint of God may grow. Everywhere the grace of God shines and matures the seed of eternal life, and causes the flowers of a Christian life to unfold. And as each flower is specially suited to the soil in which it grows, and to the climate which surrounds it, so it is with the Christian graces. There are special graces, special virtues, according to class and place and circumstance. Therefore beware, children, how you despise those who are not exactly like yourselves, who have not your spiritual gifts. They have their beauty and glory and gifts seen by God, loved by God. Seek to find them out and admire them. Do not scorn those who are not reproductions of yourselves in other spheres. It is very likely that at certain times you may be discouraged and think that you cannot serve God in the place where you are, you have so many difficulties to contend against, those around you are so wicked. But do not fear. God's flowers will grow everywhere. What can be fouler than the filth in which the water lily has her roots, the slime in which the newt and the worm wriggle, and yet what more stainless or sunlike than the flower? I have no lads in mechanical workshops, surrounded by men blaspheming, cursing, doing all in their power to degrade and brutalize the boys associated with them. And yet some of these lads have maintained a really heroic Christian faith and walk before God. I have known girls working in factories associated with others whose conversation was foul, whose example was vile and utterly shameless, yet lived to God with a purity of soul and stainlessness of mind, even, as well as conduct, such as would have been thought impossible and would have been impossible but for the grace of God surrounding them. 
I beseech you, dear children, never suppose that your situation in life is such that in it you cannot live to God and glorify God. Find me soil exposed to the light on which no flower will grow, and then, perhaps, I will allow that there are conditions in which Christian life is impossible. Wherever you are, grow to God. Whatever be your situation, God's grace is sufficient for you. He has placed you there in order that you might adorn that situation and make it beautiful before him. He can make the desert bloom as the rose. Now learn something more. The first growth of the seed or root is hidden. The process is unseen. I dare say you know the rule to be observed with hyacinth bulbs grown in glasses. They have to be put away in the dark till they are rooted. If exposed to light, they are not likely to do well. So must it be with the spiritual growth of the soul. Its first processes must be hidden. There must be no display of religion, no talking about it, no demonstrative piety. All that sort of show leads to poor flowering. The rooting and germinating must be hidden deep down in the soft soil of the inner heart. It is afterwards that the flower of a Christian life expands. Now for another lesson. Have you ever observed a flower in its growth from a seed? The seed leaves unfurl, two little leaves, quite unlike those the plant will eventually bear. These open and are extended like little hands towards heaven. They are very sensitive. On them depends the life of the plant. If those little appealing hands be destroyed, the plant will cast up no more. It will rot away underground and die. Like the seed leaves of the plant are children's prayers. These are the first manifestations of the soul's life. The little hands are lifted up to God appealingly, often ignorantly, but trustfully and lovingly. Most essential to the spiritual life are children's spiritual beginnings. They must be carefully guarded. Beware, children, how you suffer your early prayers to cease, to die. On them depends the life and health of your soul in afterlife. Cease to pray in childhood, and the power of prayer will go from you, never, maybe, to be recovered. The little leaves drink in the sunlight and the sweet spring air, and carry them to the root below in the dark, where they nurture the shoot which will develop into foliage and flowers. So do your early prayers bring to your souls the grace of God that swells and prepares in them the future Christian character, which will be manifested before God and man in its proper season. Do you know that, with a microscope, in the little germ of the plant, deep-seated in the soil, may be discerned the pattern of the future plant, with its leaves and flower? It is said that with a powerful glass the future oak may be described in the germ of the acorn. So the future Christian character you will bear lies hidden in your heart. It is there that lies hidden the type of Christian life God has predestined that you shall live. The type of Christian life God sees will be most fit for the situation in which you will be placed, and His grace and favor are abundant to make it grow and spread and attain perfection, as He has designed. But much depends on the seed leaves being undestroyed, on the childish prayers ascending to God, on the childish soul opening to God, drinking in His grace which alone can perfect the germ and make it grow into a plant. There is so much to be learned from the flowers, children, that I could go on for a long time expounding to you the parables that lie veiled in them. But I have said to you quite enough today, and if you choose to look 
you will find the lessons in the flowers everywhere about you, repaying your search. Today I wish you to carry off with you only three lessons which I have drawn from them. First, seeing that there are flowers adorning every sort of soil, growing in every kind of situation, thriving in every clime, remember that it is so with the spiritual graces also. Wherever you are, whatever your calling or portion, you can adorn it with a Christian life. Secondly, avoid precociousness in your religion. Let it be hidden in the heart and not made a show of. The health of the flower depends upon the rooting and germinating taking place in the dark. So does healthy religion require concealment in the soul. Thirdly, as the life of the flower depends on the seed leaves, so does your spiritual life and your attainment of the Christian character God has predestined for you depend on your childish prayers. If the spiritual life dies in childhood, it is only revived afterwards by a miracle. End of section 17